Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to eight, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The 4-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. You can find that on Amazon. You can also find it at my website, DorendaWilson.com, and you can find it pretty much at any of your favorite booksellers. Also, I have a self-published book. It's called The Unhurried Homeschooler that I wrote several years ago. It's become quite a popular little book. It's a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. You can find that also at DorendaWilson.com or at Amazon. Now, last week, I had a lively conversation with Pastor Wes. If you missed that episode, be sure to go back and listen. He's been on several episodes with me in the past. Um, But this episode was titled A Call Home, The Biblical Importance of Family. We talked about just how crucial our roles at home really are because the family is what bears God's image to the world. We noted that the most effective way to change the culture is for Christian parents to fully engage in their roles at home. And if you want to hear more about that, please go back and listen to that episode. Before I dive into today's topic, which is sort of related, today's topic is raising warriors. So like I said, before I dive into that, I just want to share a quick little um, something with you. Do you ever wish that you had a homeschool mentor? I know that's the reason that a lot of you are here is you see me as a mentor and that is an honor for me. But you know, it's really great to have more than one mentor, right? Because different mentors sort of meet different needs. Um, But what mentors do, you know, they're basically someone who's been where you are and can help you along the way. That's actually what Homeschooling Today magazine is, sort of in a different format. Except instead of just one mentor, you get access to a whole team of experienced homeschoolers. You'll find my columns, Mom to Mom and Dear Dorinda, in it. I invite you to subscribe and then go grab a cup of coffee when it comes and find a comfy place to get away for a while. Consider it a time when you and I can get together and chat for a bit. I love writing for homeschooling today and I love this new um, new thing that they're doing with the mom to mom and with the Dear Dorenda article in it. So that'll be fun for me to, to um, reach out and connect with you all on that in that way as well. But you'll also be delighted to find other voices that I actually personally trust to speak into your life and into your homeschooling journey as well. Let them encourage, inspire, and walk alongside you. Let them help you homeschool boldly with courage and freedom. And don't forget an unhurried heart. Now, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, I would just really appreciate it if you would share podcast with a friend or two or three. There are so many new homeschoolers out there and still a lot of people who haven't ever heard of me. And, you know, I just, I really just think of myself as just a regular mom here sitting out in my backyard in my she shed and just talking with all of you. And so if you know other moms who might appreciate that perspective and um, just the experience that I have of of homeschooling for this long and parenting for this long and being married for this long, um, please share the podcast with them. And don't forget to use the search bar. 
that is available on the podcast page at my website. If you go to the top of the uh, list of episodes, there's a little search bar. It can be a little bit hard to see, but it's there. And put in keywords and chances are there's going to be an episode that comes up that will meet your needs because I have over 275 episodes. Actually, I think this is number 281. So there's so much um, great content there. Please go and check all of that out. So recently I was having a conversation with a friend and she was telling me how she feels like she's noticing a trend amongst the Christian community regarding parenting. Instead of hearing a battle cry for parents to be faithfully and fully committed to their biblical roles, she's hearing something like, relax parents, there's grace, your kids are going to make their own decisions and God is sovereign over that. But more with a tone of it doesn't really matter what you do, um, that God is sovereign over it. And, uh, you know, like I said, your kids are just going to make the decisions that they're going to make. So there is there is some truth to that, but not to the point of excusing us from our role as parents. It is a diligent role. You know, I talk about God's sovereignty a lot, but. I will never, ever discount the importance of man's responsibility. We as believers have a responsibility to walk in obedience to God. Our decisions matter. Our obedience matters. And I know as a culture, we sort of chafe at that word obedient. But to obey a God who has nothing but absolutely perfect plans and intentions and love for us is actually a delight and it is a it's a way of peace. So one thing that happened recently is that I was talking to my 23-year-old son about this and how it's important how important our obedience is. And he was sharing with me that he had been reading in Daniel 10 and he was quite moved by the fact that our obedience not only matters here in the physical realm but also in the spiritual realm. If you've ever read the passage, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, you'll know that it says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, like I said, most of us have heard that verse. We know something about spiritual warfare, but the fact that our obedience actually affects it gives us even more reason to walk in obedience to God. So our obedience doesn't just affect the physical. It affects the spiritual realm as well. Here's the passage that my son was referring to in Daniel 10, verses 10 through 12. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have said to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the Spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. That's the enemy. 
Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I've left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So basically what happened here was with the aid of Michael, the archangel, and also, also the continued prayers of Daniel, the angel had arrived to make Daniel understand what is to happen to his people in the later days, events that precede and include the coming of God's kingdom. So why is this such a big deal? Because our investment isn't just here in the physical realm. It's also in the spiritual realm when we do what God has called us to do. Daniel was faithful in prayer, and because of his faithfulness in prayer and just his faithfulness overall, a battle was won in the spiritual realm. So when we obey God and do what Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, which says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, we are also defeating the enemy. The same holds true for all the scriptures that are given to parents and the directives in terms of how they're raising their children. So what did Solomon mean when he said to train up a child in the way he should go? Well, raising and training a child within the context of this particular proverb means that it begins with the Bible. Because according to 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Also, teaching children the truths of scripture will make them wise for salvation, according to 2 Timothy 3.15. It will thoroughly equip them to do good works, 2 Timothy 3.17. Prepare them to give an answer to everyone who asks them for the reason for their hope. 1 Peter 3.15 And prepare them to withstand the onslaught of cultures bent on indoctrinating them with secular values. So over the last couple of years, many parents have heeded the call to stop abdicating so much of their parenting to the schools. They've decided to homeschool their children. They've decided to bring their kids home. And one of the most glaring reasons to us as believing parents is because we are seeing more clearly than ever the sheer wickedness that exists in the world, even in places that we thought were safe. So this movement to protect and defend children is growing because clearly The world is not going to do that. The world is not going to protect our children. We have to do it. And I've talked about this in other podcasts as well, where I have made it very, very clear, abundantly clear that everything concerning our children, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, the responsibility for their well-being, what they're exposed to, what they're protected from, what they learn is squarely on our shoulders. Even if we send them away somewhere, we abdicate something to someone else, we are trusting that person to to do well with our children. But at the end of the day, we stand before the Lord in full responsibility for everything concerning our children. Now, many Christians, I feel like we're sort of under a cloud of delusion that we could trust the system. And now that's changing. 
But also because the future seemed somewhat predictable, I think, I know myself as a parent, I was more tempted to indulge myself and my children, thinking it just really wouldn't cost that much, you know, because it it just wouldn't be that big of a deal because the future seemed like somewhat predictable, right? However, the times they are a changing, right? However, when the future is unknown and the and the evil around us becomes more evident, it has a way of changing our perspective. We're suddenly more aware of how we raise our children because we want them to know how to live their lives differently in the world. We don't want them to be another casualty of secularism, right? As believers, we are called to be alert and sober-minded. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So now we're seeing clearly, even more clearly, that we need to raise warriors because we have to raise warriors. I had a mom reach out to me recently and tell me how tenderhearted her son was and how she wonders how he's going to make it in this harsh world. Now, I have no idea how old this child is, but it is very easy to look at our small babies and children and struggle to imagine them as warriors in the world because they seem so small and vulnerable, and they are. But as believing parents, we can't afford to pretend that we don't have to raise strong children. Part of raising strong children is diligently protecting them, especially in those early years, from things that they shouldn't see, hear, or experience. Things they're not ready for. We as parents are, have the right, the privilege, and the responsibility to be the ones to make sure that happens. So this is why the Bible says that we're to train our children so we can raise strong children. I talk a lot about being unhurried and Sometimes I think people actually misinterpret what I mean by unhurried. They might picture a super laid-back mom and kids who are allowed to do whatever. That is not at all the case. Being unhurried isn't about being indulgent. It's about being intentional. It's about recognizing when your child needs discipline, training, a lesson in perseverance. Etc. We simplify for the same reasons so that we can be intentional. We simplify, we slow down so that we can find the discernment that we need to lead our children well, to raise strong children. And God gives us wisdom along the way to do just that. But again, simplifying and slowing down are really huge keys, at least they have been for me. And being able to do that because, you know, the Lord, he, he speaks often in a still small voice. And so I have to hush everything else. And it's a constant battle, even now, to quiet the voices and listen for the voice that really matters. We want to be intentional. So what does the word train mean in the original language when it talks about training our children? Well, it's a word like dedicate. It's used in several other places in the Bible, and all of them refer to dedicating the house of either man or God. Specifically in this text, 
in Proverbs, it refers to consecration to religious and moral direction or intentional, sustained, God-dependent shepherding of our children's hearts as they grow into adulthood. When we think of the word train, even in modern day terms, what often comes to mind first is the training of soldiers in the military. So what if our soldiers never went through training? How well could they carry out their mission? They would not be equipped to do it, would they? How much confidence would you have in our military if they didn't actually train their soldiers? Zero, right? Because we all know they wouldn't stand a chance. Think about that. We want our kids to be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy and the world's attacks. But without our help, without our intentional, committed parenting, they won't stand a chance. You know, I used to hear people say this a lot. Um, they would talk about it. Maybe they, maybe they still say it. I don't know. I, I haven't heard much uh, more recently, but I know in the past I've heard a lot of people talk about how uh, we need to send our children to school so that they can be missionaries. That never made a hill of beans sense to me. I, I would get this picture in my mind of a child standing in front of the enemy and in front of an army tank and expecting them to be able to win the battle. Children need to be trained. Children need us to train them. They need us to parent them. We've got to make sure that we are stepping up to the plate and doing our job. We want to send our children out trained well. You guys, we're not going to do any of this perfectly, but I can tell you from experience that God is gracious. He is so gracious. But we don't want to send our children out without having put every stitch of effort that we, we can into our job as parents. Does this sound serious? Does it sound overwhelming? Of course it does. But this is what we signed up for, parents. This is what we signed up for when we became parents. This is our calling. This is our mission. And it is of utmost importance. Just like Wes and I talked about in that recent episode, A Call Home. God will equip us to do what he has called us to do. God is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. His mercies are new every morning. As our days are, so shall our strength be. What is this going to require of us? Well, I think the biggest thing I can just speak from experience is perseverance. Perseverance in several areas. The first is prayer. We have to have an active prayer life over our kids. All the things that concern us, all things we're thankful for, and all things that we need wisdom in, we need to be praying over and praying for. We need to be continually pleading in the presence of God, praying that what happens in the life of our children would ever magnify the greatness, the worth, the sufficiency, and the saving power of our God. Pray over those kids. Do spiritual battle over those kids. 
Much of wise parenting happens from being on our knees. The second thing that we need to persevere in is discipleship. Now, what is discipleship? The definition is modeling and teaching Christians the precepts of the Bible, mainly prayer, doctrine, Christian living, and worship. God has given us these children to disciple. So you may be saying to me, well, my, I don't, my child isn't a Christian yet. They haven't asked Jesus into their heart. So how, how does that work? Well, I believe that we raise our children as though they are Christians. We raise them in a Christian home, in a Christian environment, in a, in a uh, church community, as though they belong to the Lord. Because I believe that that's an act of faith. I am by faith believing that as I walk in obedience to the Lord, God is going to honor that. And he is going to draw their hearts to him. And they are ultimately going to own their own relationship with him. That is the approach that I took with our kids. I looked at them as though they already belong to the family of God. uh, Because I believed that they would. And I honestly believe that they did because I believe um, that that God is sovereign over their lives and that, like I said, as we walk in obedience to him, he will be faithful because he is faithful to his covenant. Matthew 18, 28 to 30 talks about, um, it was kind of, it was Jesus just before he ascended into heaven. This is what he said to the disciples. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our greatest mission starts at home and then it moves outward. Why do you think the requirements for an elder specifically mention that he manage his own household well? Because if a man can't do that, he cannot properly advise his church community. Being able to disciple our kids day in and day out was one of the main reasons that my husband and I decided to homeschool our kids. This passage in Deuteronomy was the catalyst for that. It's Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Can you hear the living out of walking in obedience to the Lord there? All kinds of reminders turning this way, turning this way, and that way, um, on the doorposts, on our hands, on our foreheads, a constant reminder of the fact that Jesus Christ has the comprehensive lordship over our lives. We are walking that out with our kids. The other thing I love about that passage is it says to impress it on your children. That's, that's a little more than just, hey, here's an option. Impress it on our children. We talk about it all the time when we sit at home and when we walk along the road and when we lie down and when we get up. And when I read that, it was like, okay, I actually have to be with my kids in order to do that. If they're gone for eight hours a day, 
five days a week. I don't think this can happen. And that was why this passage was a catalyst for my husband and I to homeschool our kids. Now, another area that sort of falls sort of a subcategory under the discipleship is discipline. Okay, this is another area that we have to persevere in. But first of all, we have to set the example of being self-disciplined. We need to allow God to discipline us so that we can properly discipline our kids. So when we're disciplining ourselves to have self-control, we're not just doing that. um, We're doing that in obedience to the Lord. But one of the fruits of that is that our children are seeing it modeled. So when we mess up, we apologize. We tell them that was wrong. That that did not please the Lord. And I should not have said that or I should not have done that. I ask the Lord forgiveness and I'm asking you forgiveness. Okay. This is walking out the gospel in the everyday life with our kids. So we set the example of being self-disciplined. Like I said, I always say that Jesus disciples us as we disciple our children. But we have to know his voice. This means we have to know our God and we, we get to know him through his word, prayer. And, but, you know, the main way, reason, the main, sorry, the main way that we do this is through his word that we read and we study for ourselves. We listen to messages, sermons that are given by reliable Bible teachers. There are so many false teachers out there. Um, If you are unsure um, of of who are some good teachers out there, feel free to message me and I'd be happy to share some of those with you. But we've got to be in the word and we've got to be studying for ourselves. Now, I realize that as busy moms, devotions can be challenging. And I did uh, a, a podcast a while back where I talked about how my devotions, my time with the Lord looked different. Well, when the kids were little and there were a lot of demands on my life, I'll try to include that in the podcast notes. Um, But self-discipline also involves bearing the fruit of self-control. So as we discipline ourselves, then, of course, one of the fruits is that the fruits of the spirit that we're going to exhibit is self-control. One of the proofs of God's working in our lives is the ability to control our own thoughts and words and actions. It's not that we're naturally weak-willed, but our fallen nature is under the influence of sin. It's there all the time. The Bible calls it being a slave to sin. One definition of sin is this. I thought this was really great, and it's a wonderful way to uh, also, it's a wonderful a definition to use in your parenting as well. So here's a definition of sin that I heard recently. It is this, filling a legitimate need through illegitimate means. So when a child wants a toy from someone, from his sibling, and he just goes over there and grabs it, instead of asking for it, he, um, he, he, he feels that he has a need for that toy, but he is trying to fill that need through illegitimate means. And so that's just one tiny little example. But we do this as adults too, right? Sometimes we even use our children to fill, uh, fill our needs, you know, uh, maybe our, our um, you know, our identity it, we find in our children. And that's a tough one because our role as parents is very committed and very intensive and very involved. And it can be very easy to, um, 
to start to make our children our identity. And so we have to be, uh, we have to caution ourselves and our own hearts um, to not do that. But we don't want to meet, try to meet legitimate needs through illegitimate means. Here's, here is what I'm trying to say. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are incapable of knowing and choosing how to best meet our needs. Even if we knew what would be best, another need like comfort would take precedence and enslave us again. But we have the Holy Spirit. Have the Holy Spirit to give us that wisdom. And we sort of play that role as Holy Spirit in the lives of our children because we are training them to tune into the Holy Spirit. So we set the example and we set the boundaries and this helps them know the voice of the Lord. The other benefit of self-control is that it naturally leads to perseverance. As we value the long-term good instead of the instant gratification of the world. So it's delayed gratification. This is something, again, we train our children in as well. Self-control is a gift that frees us. We need to discipline our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and, and walk that out ourselves as well. I have a couple of podcasts that I talked about why discipline. And the other one was on, uh, it's called homeschooling, be the parent. And because we have to be the parent first before the teacher. So I'm going to include those links also in the, in the show notes. Another area that we need to persevere in that again falls under the discipleship is facilitating our kids' education. Parents need to take back their kids' education. If we're going to disciple our kids, we actually need to be with them. We need to know what they're learning. We need to know how they're being influenced. Now, I don't have I I don't have a problem with with uh, Christian school, with Christian, with private education. Um, I just really believe that homeschooling if at all possible, is just such a privilege. It's such a privilege. It's such an honor. And it's, and it's such an opportunity that I'm always going to be encouraging parents to try to figure out a way to homeschool if they can. But we want to know what our kids are learning. We want to know how they're being influenced. Another area that we have to persevere in is growing a strong marriage. Wes and I talked about this in the episode that we did last week, A Call Home. And we discussed how crucially important investing in our marriage really is when it comes to raising kids. And I will include that link in the podcast notes as well. So you can go back and listen to that if you missed it. Marriage was given by God to reflect the gospel. It reflects Christ and his bride, the church. Strong marriages actually tear down strongholds. As I mentioned earlier, our obedience not only has an impact in the physical, but also in the spiritual realm. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Parents, it's time. It's time to commit ourselves fully to raising our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you've been doing that, but feeling discouraged, let me let this podcast be an encouragement to you to pick yourself back up again to, and to move forward in the strength of the Lord. You know, this idea, um, this, this 
goal of ours to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord does not require perfect parents. It simply requires humble and teachable parents who are willing to do whatever it takes to walk in obedience to God. After spending over three decades raising our eight kids, we still have two at home, I can tell you that it is worth it a thousand times over. All the hard days, all the tears, all the prayers, all the battles, all the struggles are beyond worth it. God honors our obedience and our commitment to him as we walk out this journey as parents. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the tangible reminders in your word of our incredibly important role of raising children. Lord, we raise our children with a purpose. Thank you for giving us meaning and purpose behind parenting. And not only that, but giving us the strength to do it. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for giving us the privilege and the honor of training our children. Lord, may we be found faithful to train warriors for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 